On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I got my brother Quentin with me here, as always. So, Q, the last few weeks, we started with the cars. Last week was Van Halen. This week is something different. This is our batch of what we're calling dad tunes. So we're not exactly talking about our favorite records right now. We're talking about our dad's favorite records. We're sitting in the back seat of the uh, of the station wagon, although I don't think he ever owned a station wagon, but whatever. But no, today I, I think today's episode Q is the most dad tune so far that we've covered. The most um, appropriate, I would say, because everybody loves the Cars. Everybody loves Van Halen. You know what I mean? Like I got into like this is. This is the one artist that I've never actually seeked out myself and listened to, like, independently. Same. And we're talking about a man named Gino Vanelli. And if you've never heard of this guy, you're not alone. I don't think I've ever met somebody, if I bring up Gino Vanelli, and I usually bring him up as a joke. <laughs> Nobody ever knows who who we're talking about here, you know? So, but our dad sure did. Yeah. I, I, so I think if, I feel like if you were at the right age in the late seventies, you probably are familiar with his music, not maybe not even his name, but you've probably heard at least a few of his songs. I mean, I wish we did have our dad on this episode, but we don't. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna have to take some, some guesses here as to how, how did our father stumble upon such a person? My guess is that this was a this was something he heard as a radio DJ. That's what I was thinking too. He probably got he probably got a promo record of of Geno's to spin. Exactly. So our father was a radio DJ in the seventies. If you want to hear more about that, uh, go listen to our Cars episode. We kind of talk about that a little bit, and you can go even further back if you if you really cared about our dad's life and listen to our episode on Larry Carlton, uh, his guitar solos uh, throughout the Steely Dan catalog and uh we talked with him about his radio days on that episode as well either way so q this is the main thing i want to talk about with you what do you classify a gino vanelli as like how do you where does he sit in the landscape of music because the only thing i can think of is like soft rock and i don't even like using the word rock to describe him no when you think about when he came out in the seventies, right? There were a lot of bands that were. I I don't want to compare them him to Steely Dan, at all. 
But it's the same kind of vein. But he's in the same vein. As, uh, like a jazz, jazz fusion. It's a jazzy, jazz fusion. He's He's got his backup singers yeah. on almost every track. Yeah. Is he anywhere near Steely Dan? No. Not even in the same building. But it's the, along the same vein. So I've read Progressive Jazz. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Soft Rock, you know, you, you mentioned last week you like seeing what Wikipedia has to say as far as genres go because, you know, anyone who, who wants to edit a Wikipedia article can throw their own genre on there. So it, everything gets thrown in there, you know. Rock, soul, soft rock. He's kind of like the, I don't know, uh, Tom Jones or like... You know what I mean? Like almost like the the, yeah. the Vegas act, you know? Sure. And I bet you he has done Vegas before. Yeah. But one thing that's pretty cool about about Gino is um this is a family affair. He did everything with his two brothers, Joe and Ross. Joe was the keyboardist and Ross handled the mixing board at all of the concerts. And I think they all kind of had a hand in, in songwriting as well. So that's cool. And uh, they brought a lot of really cool synthesizer music like into their their songs, um, which is still fairly new in the 70s. And that was all Joe. But Gino Vanelli, I don't know what, what his, like if this was genuine or, or if this was just kind of a persona that he put on, but... Man, if you see, I mean, most of his album covers are just like this weird macho ladies man kind of thing that he was going for. Well, the the chest hair was definitely Dude. just a, a sign of the times <laughs> or whatever. Well, yeah, but every single like, does he have to have the the shirt buttoned down all the way so you can you know with the with the hair on full display? Is that was that necessary? <laughs> but think about it though, dude. There's probably some sort of a um, study that's been done i bet that what, with album sales yeah back in the <laughs> 70s at least if we take if we unbutton and expose chest hair the record sales go up i mean you might maybe dude because why would you what well, i mean once you once you do it on the first record you're not going to jinx it and not do it on the on the next record and see those there's record sales go down and there's nothing better than that than his debut record album art man yeah I know. I love it. it. He's got this. He's got like the, uh, you know, the bandana around his neck or whatever. Yeah, the scarf. The scarf thing. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, there's probably an official name for that. But um. another thing, I I just want to bring this up because I thought it was really funny, uh, well written. <laughs> uh, I read this article that uh, this I don't think this magazine exists anymore, but it's called McLean's. Uh, magazine article from 1979. Uh, it's writing about uh, uh, specifically one concert that they saw. So it's kind of like a, a concert review. And here is how they describe Gino's uh, outfit. Let's see. Okay. Actually, I'm going to read this whole first paragraph because it's, it's really well written. It says, On stage at Carnegie Hall in New York, three singers and seven backup musicians pile up an elaborate scaffolding of music for Gino Vanelli's entrance. Joe, his brother and co-producer, sits in his cockpit of keyboards. 
At the back of the hall, Ross, another brother and co-producer, mans the sound mix board like an air traffic controller, making sure the music gets off the ground safely. Gino walks on stage in black pants so tight you could read the date on a dime in his pocket. (laughs) (laughs) And that's journalism, dude. Pants stretched and winched to trampoline intensity. Pants with prehensile pressure to send Gino flying up into Carnegie Hall's second balcony. So if that doesn't paint a picture, dude. How many teenagers in that audience went on decades later to criticize their their children for wearing tight pants? How many? <laughs> a lot is the answer to that. He was only 26 when uh, for this uh, appearance here in Carnegie Hall. And this was 1979. So... Let's let's bring it back to our dad. Okay. Our dad, I would call him a major Gino Vanelli fan. He said I think he saw him like what three, four times? Yeah, he probably saw him around that era. Probably saw him during this and tour. I, I think he's actually told us a story about that, yeah. So like um I, I you know, I think if I were to guess, our dad was probably into the musicianship, right? And the you know, cuz this like we said earlier, this is in the vein of jazz fusion, so there's some cool guitar solos, great guitar solo stuff that happens throughout. It's, you know, jazz-centric, so... Yeah, before we play our first song, yeah, just just think Steely Dan, you know? Put him... Yeah. Put him in that... I mean, not not with the... Yes, nobody can compare to Steely Dan, like, we know that. Yeah, right. But it's the same vein. All right, Keelan, let's get into the tunes here. I'm going to split the first song that we play into a couple clips, and we're going to cover... A song from his album Storm at Sunup, which came out in 1975. Then we're going to jump down to his album Brother to Brother, which was a few albums later, which came out in 78. So Storm at Sunup might be his best record. And I think this is our dad's favorite album for sure. So is that based off of record sales or what is... This is based off fans of the album. Okay. This was one of the last albums of his that really was was more uh progressive uh more jazz rock um than anything else because it kind of seems like slowly you know as they went on writing records they kind of started to get more like soft rock contemporary trying to to uh appeal to like a, a wider audience so this is this this album's pretty cool in that it kind of it's almost like a i mean i don't want to say a concept album it's it doesn't like the whole album doesn't necessarily tell a story but the first two songs storm at sunup which is the title track and love me now it is one long like one solid movement so it's it's linked together and it flows from one track to the next uh we're just gonna focus on track one storm at sunup because love me now is actually a single we don't play singles Uh, here q and we don't play singles here, man, even if it's Gino Vanelli. All right, so let's let's listen to some Gino. Let's see what he's all about. Um, so I'm going to play the first couple minutes of Storm of Sun up here. Uh, again, this is from the, an album of the same name. came out in 1974. Here we go. Choose 
What'd you think, Trev? Is that the first time you heard that? No, I think I've heard it somewhere in my somewhere in my memory. As um, uh, what is that? That's a Home Alone song. Somewhere in my memory. That what? I've, Only you know the the actual title dude. names of Home Alone songs. I guess they all have names, huh? Come on, no. I'm not a big soundtrack guy. I'm okay, sorry. I'm a huge soundtrack guy. I know something that I think I picked up from our father. Uh, anyway. It is not a fair comparison um, to to uh, compare him to Steely Dan. It's just not. It's a different. It's a whole different thing. Um, so I take back my Steely Dan mentions because it's just not. It doesn't. It's not relevant. Like it's not appropriate. But well, let's let's say let's put it this way then. If you don't like Steely Dan, then I feel like you're gonna just group Gino in into the same camp no i don't think that's true though there, it's different types of music it's like you know what i mean the only reason we're saying that the only reason i said that is because i read the, the word jazz fusion on wikipedia and so steely dan broadly gets painted with that brush but exactly if if you do not like steely dan you're gonna that's gonna be the uh, the broad brush that you stroke with but steely dan is so much more than than jazz fusion that's what makes him steely dan right um yeah maybe this is the more traditional definition of jazz fusion i don't know but either way long story short i feel like what he is doing here and like maybe this is why this is a concept album like you said there's a clear like build up it's also uh yeah progressive progressive rock as i'm seeing that on on here too which i can see like it's a this is like a a, a um i don't know like a a story right i mean you can tell that the, the, the he's building towards something yeah but i also wanted to say this dude i feel like he may have been 
a fan of Star Trek. Because I hear a little bit Dude, of the, yeah, I was going to say. So I hear the Star Trek. Theme. When you say he, you're, you you got to be talking about Joe specifically. Because okay. he's the one that wrote all, this, all, the, all the synthesizer parts. Um, Joe Vanelli and another guy named Richard Baker do all the synthesizer stuff. And this was, uh, to quote this article or this, this review of, of this album, this was state-of-the-art synthesizer technology at the time. So they were doing stuff that was never heard on an album before. So you got to think about that, too. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read, I'm going to read this, uh, a good chunk of this here. Uh, this is just some random, this random music archive website. There's no like credit to whoever wrote this. <laughs> it's just some username, but they say the, the album starts with a hint of obligatory synthetic thunder rolling in the distance, followed by a dramatic Broadway style vocal over electric piano introduction wherein Gino informs the lucky lady, who was the most recent recipient of his lust, that, quote, if I could choose, I'd calm this dawn, but the storm is me, insensible and free. See, this is what I'm talking about, dude. This is why he's got his, his, hair, his hair exposed, his chest hair. I mean, not the, not the best songwriter, dude. But he's got an audience in mind for this, dude. So the song as a whole, and if you listen to it all the way through to the end of the second track love me now by the end of it i mean this guy's going through uh he's like breaking up with the girl okay uh yeah the song tells the story of a confused sometimes irrational and unpredictable man breaking up with his woman see now silly dan would never write such a simple song cue <laughs> right their lyrics are way more um snooty i should say <laughs> we talked we've talked about that before how Steely Dan just writes about the most obscure intellectual references, you know, that they could cram into a song. This is a 26-year-old Gino who writes about the only thing he knows, right? Which is Well, he's even younger when this one came out, dude. He was 26 in 79. Oh, okay. And this came out in 74, dude. He's okay. just a kid, yeah, man. Dude. This is what he knows, you know? Yeah. When you walk around and you look like that, this is all he's ever had to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... I'm going to read this a little bit here, and then we're going to play the second clip. You've got that Broadway-style introduction with just electric piano and voice. Next comes several waves of lush synthesizer-generated orchestration. So everything you're hearing is synthesizer. And the drummer here is is uh, credited. His name's Graham Lear. And he goes on to play for Santana in the 80s, which is cool. Uh, really awesome jazz drumming in this in this album. Um, all right, so let's see what happens next on Storm at Sunup. I'm excited.
So that just plays right into track two. So that's why you go see a Gino Vanelli concert right there. (laughs) To see the saxophone solo, to see the awesome drumming. I mean, you know, it's not not a surprise at all that he went to to drum for Santana, right? I mean, not at all. I mean, and and to see Joe, uh, you know, sitting in his cockpit of keyboards, you know? Yeah. So is Gino doing, does he do anything on stage besides sing? I think he just sings. Um, but you got to also keep in mind that, that his brother Joe is also uh, busting out those bass lines on the synthesizer. Okay. So there's no bass player up there? No, I mean, I think they toured with a full band. But on the records, most of what you hear is coming from Joe's synthesizer. And, you know, for the concerts, he was able to have, like, you know, basically a full orchestra, like electronic orchestra, just with, with Joe's skills behind the synthesizer. Which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. And I could see how that would be something you'd want to go witness in the 70s if that's a new thing, right? Right. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to play the bulk of that. Well, that was the whole song. Um, but, yeah, I think that little jazz breakdown is really, really cool. That is cool. And that definitely progressive. It falls in the vein of progressive yeah, rock for and sure. that's that's what people are saying. You know, like this this album is maybe his their best moment as as a group because yeah. as you go on they get more and more mainstream and contemporary um but with that being said let's jump ahead a couple albums uh, i'm gonna play a song that always stuck out to me this is one that i always remember um off of brother to brother uh and this is gonna kind of show more of the the like big production kind of sound that you you'll hear uh from a gino vanelli song But hey, before we play that track, let's take a quick break. So this one is called The Evil Eye.
So yeah, um, that's more rock and roll. Oh yeah, for sure. That's um, the, definitely the heaviest track on Brother to Brother. Well, what I was thinking as I was listening to that, I want to hear a, a heavy metal version of that song. Like I feel like a, a metal band could take that and do something really cool with it. I mean, it's called the Evil Eye. You know, what I mean, it's just it's right. It's it's a uh, it writes itself almost as like a, a metal song. You know. Even with that riff, that riff is a really solid riff that you could do a lot of stuff with as a guitar player. Yeah. So, Travis, I guess I got to ask you the question then. Is Gino Vanelli metal? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to your point, though, I did want to bring this up. Because okay. when you read the first sentence on Wikipedia, it says here, he is a Canadian rock singer. Okay. So... Says who? Well, exactly. Rock is such a... Such an umbrella term. But like yeah. we were talking last week about is Van Halen metal, you know? Right. Is Gina Vanelli rock? If you listen to that song, you could maybe. Yeah, after the evil eye. Sure. Jazz rock fusion. That's the thing. It's just like, you know, I guess what he has an electric guitar in some of his tracks. Yeah. Therefore, it's rock. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know what makes. I guess it's just because it has elements of rock, therefore it is rock. You know, maybe it's that simple. And and I don't know anything else about Gina, honestly. Like I I just listened to this the storm at sunup today, uh, and I'm very familiar with brother to brother, but I don't know anything else about the guy. I haven't listened to any of his other stuff. So well, Q, um, the night is young. You know, you could spin them all up, get them going, have light yourself some candles. Pour yourself some wine and have a, a night with Gina. A night with Gina. Mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. Yeah. As long as he lets me twirl that thick, curly chest. I bet you he doesn't have the chest hair anymore. It's not the 70s anymore, Do you dude. You think he's waxed it all off? Shit's not going anywhere, dude. Something's happened to it, for sure. <laughs> it can't be as magnificent as it was. <laughs> I mean. 50 years ago. I did. I think for the um, for our our cover art for this episode, I think you should just get the highest resolution image of this album cover and just have it be his chest. Just hair. the hair. Just focus on the chest hair. I mean, I can do that. Please, I can send you a copy of that just for you. I'll make my own image for it. We'll put. How about You'll we see, just? It's going <laughs> to be glorious. Okay, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> um, as long as I can find a high enough resolution image i'll make it happen so this is that's that's our episode on gino vanelli you know i've i had a feeling that it wasn't going to be too in-depth because i mean i'm not going to listen to gino after this i'm not like i didn't do it come on now our dad could be listening he probably will be and i'm sure he'll he'll totally understand i will say this we kind of poked fun at gino i feel somewhat bad that our father couldn't be here to defend his music choices. Uh, but like, look, man, like I said, solid tracks. The two that you brought to the table, nothing to be ashamed of as far as like, I listen to Gino Vanelli. That's something you can say proudly. You know what I mean? You can say that proudly now, Travis. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't listen to him, but I'm saying it's nothing to, uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know what, dude? He's not doing himself any favors with these album covers man. dude it was the 70s though i bet you <laughs> still i'm just still, saying man. i'm just saying 
I, I guarantee you, if he didn't do the poses that you're seeing, the, the number of purchases from his female target audience would, I mean, you gotta, you gotta bring him in somehow when you're flipping through a, records at the record store and you see yeah. that. You can't say no to that. No, to you that can't. Chest. You can't. Oh, hair. All right. Uh, dude, look at this album cover, man. The, uh, the gist of Gemini. <laughs> He's just like squatting down at the end of a piano. I know. I know. It's funny. <laughs> I it, love it. It's kind of one of those weird perspectives where it's like, what is, what exactly is going on here? Oh, I see. <laughs> it's pretty great. He looks like the guy that episode of on Star Trek. It's my second Star Trek reference today. I don't remember what it was. It was on the original series, but I think it's like the captain is in some sort of like machine that he's rolling around in like a wheelchair, but he kind of looks like that. If you squint, I wish I could agree with you, but I, I haven't given Star Trek. It's proper. It's, I think it's Pike Pike. Yeah. Captain, Captain Pike. Well, all right, dude. And did you think we'd ever do a Gino episode? I think I think we talked about it. I think we joked about doing a Gino Benelli episode. And I mean, here we are. Dude, Brother to Brother is one of my favorite songs from that. From, from like my One of my favorite dad tunes. Yes. Brother to Brother, one of my favorite dad tunes for sure. Well, yeah, that was our that was our intro song, right, Q? Yeah, yeah. That is what played us in. So, yeah, that is a good track. It's got a lot of it. Just like, um, just like Storm at Sunup, it's got a very like, it, it, it's like a production, you know? Yeah, and I think that was that was the main thing with with a Gino with Gino Vanelli, and especially if you saw him in concert back then, it that's, was a huge production. Yeah, that's his appeal. Yeah, if your dad, if you're our dad, you went to a Gino Vanelli show to appreciate the musicianship, you know, the cool things you're going to hear a synthesizer do that you never heard before back in the day. Yeah, if yeah. you're somebody else, you might be going to see the chest here. Let's get real. <laughs> I mean, that would have been half the reason I bought a ticket, dude. It's like a 50-50 split in the crowd, you know. All right, man. Enough jokes about chest hair. It's time to do our, our weekly segment called What You Heard, um, which here's what I like about What You Heard, Q. The song that I have for for this week is the complete polar opposite of Gino Vanelli, which is why oh, we like doing What You Heard. Same. I'm going to go first, dude, because okay. I'm really excited to play this for you. All right. All right. So this is, I'm going to give another shout out to KEXP. Uh, I heard uh, the title track off of this record there uh, last week. So this is a band called Fontaine's DC. You ever heard of them? Fontaine, what? Fontaine's DC. I used to drink, I used to drink something that was like, it was like a Fanta or something like that. Uh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, so this is a an Irish post punk band. They're they've only been together for a few years. They they formed in 2017. Uh, they just released a new album called A Hero's Death. Dude, this is the most impressed I've been from an album in a while, dude. Um, just it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, this is the first stuff of theirs that I've heard. They also have an album that came out last year called Dog Roll. Um, so here's how I can describe like the, the like the guitar riffs. It's like equal parts Brit Daniel and uh, what's the what's the the guitarist of Interpol? That vibe. Daniel Kessler. Yeah. So I hear some Brit Daniel riffs. I hear some Daniel Kessler riffs. That kind of vibe. 
with like a really cool uh the way he sings is just very um well fuck dude let's just play it all right Um, right, so here i'm gonna play this was actually one of the singles from this album again this album is called a hero's death just came out last month i believe and this is track three on the record it's called televised mind I loved every 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 second of that. Yeah, man, that's the the whole album is is surprising like that. It took me about ten seconds to to add that to my my albums list on Spotify. Oh, get ready, dude! It's so good, man. And that came out this year. Just came out last like a couple weeks ago, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It reminded me of the. Um, yes, I definitely heard the Interpol. Um, mm-hmm. But oh, it just re- wait until you hear some of the other songs, dude. Okay. Uh, it also reminded me of that band that I brought to the table a couple months back called unwound that nineties, um, post hardcore band. Yes. Um, with yeah, the, man. yeah, with the killing of the monotone delivery and all yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Dude. And what, so what I like about it and my guess is this is an A and B side situation, but like halfway through the record, it kind of changes tone and like gets a little more somber. 
Um, and then it kind of stays that way for the most part throughout the rest of the record. So it's just really, really great listen all the way through. So again, the al- the band is Fontaine's DC. It's their brand new album, A Hero's Death. That song was called Televised Mind. All right, dude, what you got for us? All right, Q. We're going we're gonna to crank up the distortion a little bit. All right, sweet. Uh, last week I brought a Vaporwave song to the table. I remember that. I'm still on that vapor vaporwave train. Like I'm still in the hole. But I managed to find another another group. I don't remember how I stumbled upon these guys. But um they are really interesting. It is a hardcore rock band out of Boston. And the funny thing is I heard so they're okay, their name is Vane, but they've changed their name to Vane FM. And they've kind of reworked their entire sound and approach. And they had this album that I stumbled upon where it's like reworkings of their previous stuff, but like electronic almost. Hmm. Anyway, we're not listening to that. We're listening to their old stuff. I guess the point of that was that like these guys are are kind of changing and evolving and they're not they're not going down this road anymore, which is weird. But anyway, they came out with this record called error zone came out in 2018 and it kind of made a splash um in the hardcore uh world man if you're squeamish don't look at that album cover yes it it, (laughs) yeah seriously it's some sort of a um something going on with somebody's eyeball let's put it that way but that it's it's very uh clockwork orange as far as like the clamps on the sure sure but everything about this band is kind of a nod to um 90s hardcore new metal now so this came out in 2018 yes wow okay you're saying uh, did you say wow okay because the record the record looks like it could have came out in the 90s i don't know i just for some reason thought that yeah i thought we were talking about another 90s no. i wasn't listening to you is what the, what the problem was. i see um so anyway it has the 90s uh new metal it's got characteristics of new metal but it's not a new metal knockoff band or whatever it is i'm gonna quote pitchfork here q which all right you know everyone knows where we stand on pitchfork it's a love hate well where we stood where we stood i think they've gotten a lot better than back in the day when we used to read them all the time anyway um so listen to this cue for hardcore bands clean vocals usually signal a turn toward melody accessibility and so-called maturity cough cave in cough cough or emery cough cough yeah in vane's case they're another whiplash in a series of sudden jerks, confounding expectations but providing no relief. So anyway, because you got to play a nice long clip cue, we're going to play a good portion of the song because we have to get to the clean vocals. And we talked about this a lot on our Emery episode. That's why we like Emery so much is the way they would go back and forth. Yeah. Emery would do it in a much more like, to me, a much more like premeditated, I don't know. But to the point that the pitchfork is, is making here is that these guys do that too, but they, but it's more like sudden and jerky, you know? A little bit more sporadic. That sounds great. Let's hear it. Yeah, I like it because it's it, it reminds me of Emery. I actually like this a lot better than Emery. This is way more effective than Emery. And that is that is the reason why I continue to revisit The Week's End, that album by Emery, because of that. Well, I think you're going to like this. This is a lot more aggressive. I'll just tell you that. Bring it on. So we're going to listen to the title track. Uh, again, this is a band called Vane. And this song is called Error Zone. Error 
about that, dude. I don't typically gravitate towards stuff like this, but there's something about this record that really stood out to me. And Q, I want to I want to play really quickly just the opening like 30 seconds of the of the first track because I want you to hear something else that they do that okay. you almost never hear at least from my my little experience. I've never heard something like this done in a hardcore new metal song. So let's play the first track here. This is called Virus slash slash vibrance. Actually, that's like a colon slash slash like a website address. Virus vibrance. Interesting. Yeah, the the like the the drum and bass kind of sound like a sounded like a they sampled in a drum beat there. I mean, they definitely you know uh, mixed yeah. it in a little bit different there. That was cool. Well, here's what yeah, that did Pittsburgh... sound like a like a drum and bass kind of beat. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is that's the direction that they seem to be heading in. Like when you listen to the the record that came out this year. Yeah. Uh, it's got that's no bizarre, no it's, dude. it's it's remixes of some of their songs and I think okay I don't know if they are the ones who remixed their songs or if they I mean when you look at the the record the track list it's other people mix their songs but I guess the point is if you listen to some of the other ones that don't have another artist credited on them they do stuff like that it's like they they took their old songs and and reimagined them in a way but with some of that drum and bass kind of stuff, more electronic stuff to it. So anyway, they're changing their sound. Cool. But Arizona is a really solid hardcore record. I'm going to quote Pitchfork again here, dude. They say, more than a particular sound, Arizona evokes the late 90s era when technology collided with rock and metal. Yeah, I was thinking like, uh, I don't know, Tool or... uh... Yeah. Slipknot did some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Corn, of course, did some of that stuff. But anyway. Dude, and I um, love that we we threw in some Irish post-punk and some hardcore emo stuff on our Gino Vanelli episode. That's what I'm saying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we got to do our What You Heard's Forever because- Yeah, dude. So it makes it interesting. At least I think it does. Uh, if you if you manage to stick through the Gino, you got some uh, some hardcore- there in, in a couple of different ways because you could you could say that um that band that you brought to the table was post-hardcore fontaine's dc absolutely fontaine's dc post-hardcore so i'm gonna listen to that record tomorrow first oh, dude i'm excited for you man all right awesome I, lo- I love that kind of stuff man i love that oh, then you're gonna love this album dude all right i'm <laughs> strapping in all right man so Next week, like you mentioned, we are headed toward Dire Straits, which I think that's going to be a kick-ass episode. And are we going to reveal our guest? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. So we have, sitting in with us to, to talk about Dire Straits, is Mr. Tyler Darling. Also known as Mr. Spoon himself. Mr. Spoon, I think is what we've called him. He is the host of the Spoon Podcast. What is the official name of it, Q? I turn my podcast on. I turn my podcast on, which is if you don't get the reference, then you're not a spoon fan, as we like to say. Um, but yeah, I'm excited, man. He's great. I'm really excited too, man. He's, it's I feel like we're just gonna be shooting shit just like we do with each other with this guy. He's he's yeah. cut from the same cloth. I'll put it that way. 
if we had a triplet, you would be yeah. that triplet. Totally. And Dire Straits is, dude, I'm excited to play some Dire Straits on this, oh, yeah. on this podcast, dude. Yeah, dude, definitely. Some good shit. Definitely. All right, man. So that's that. You can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes and show notes for each episode, which include track lists. So if you're wondering, hey, what was that song that I heard on No Filler the other day? Go to our website. You'll see a full listing of, of all the tracks we played, including what you heard, intros, outros, not just the album songs, or not just the songs of the artists we covered. And uh, you can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, that is the the music podcast, or what is it called? The Network for Music Lovers, something like that. And <laughs> we should probably know the tagline of the network that we're on. But either way, all you got to know is it is a podcast network of like-minded content similar to ours. It's all music related. So there's plenty of great shows for you over at pantheonpods.com. And that's that. We are continuing our our our, our trip in the backseat of the station wagon for a few more weeks here as we talk about dad tunes. These are bands that our dad listened to when we were growing up that shaped our little our little music minds cue at an early age. You know what I mean? It left an imprint. A very early age, yeah. All right, Q. Next week, Dire Straits with Mr. Tyler Darling. That's going to be a cool episode. I'm excited to chat with him. Yeah, I'm stoked. Do we have an outro song for us, Q? Uh, I think I'm just going to fade us out with um, his biggest hit, which is I Just Want to Stop. That one got him number four on the Billboard magazine chart and number one in canada when it came out holy moly holy cannoli all right so that's going to do it for us today thank you as always for listening my name is quentin my name is travis y'all take care achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? 
Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.